This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com The asking of forgiveness to apologize is a, a very natural Jewish thing because it's uh, obviously we have a day dedicated to taking responsibility for ourselves and that's Yom Kippur. We are, you know, as, as an entire nation, we dedicate an entire day to forgiveness to that we ask of Hashem on Yom Kippur. And what we're ultimately doing on Yom Kippur is we're taking responsibility for ourselves. But I'd like to talk a little bit about the dynamic of, of taking responsibility for yourself. You know, if you think about stupid things you've done in your life or stupid things you've said, stuff you regret, if you think about that stuff, what you'll realize is that, is that you, you did it in the ultimate lack of clarity. Because if, you're, if you've come to a point of apologizing for something, it means now you've got the clarity. And if that same situation would show up right now, you wouldn't do it again. You just wouldn't do it. Because there's no way you'd be apologizing for something if you didn't now have the clarity of what you had done. So then how did you do it in the first place? How did you wind up doing something that now you have to ask forgiveness for? And the answer is a lack of clarity. What, they, what Chazal call a ruach shtus. Ruach, spirit, shtus is uh, insanity, craziness. Otherwise known in English as temporary insanity. So everything we ever do that's stupid is based on temporary insanity. And any time that you suddenly got sane and you started like thinking about what you did, and you got, you got your clarity back, so then at that point, you ask forgiveness. And you can ask forgiveness, meaning you're actually able to ask forgiveness at that point. Because now you would never, ever do that again. With that clarity, you would never do it. And that's the, that is the, the definition of regret. The definition of regret is when you, have, you are able to say, and this is, by the way, the third step of tshuva. Tshuva is, is stop, say, regret, commit. Stop what you were doing. That was wrong. Say what you did. Regret. Express regret. And then commit to not doing it again. So when it comes to regret, all you're really saying is, if I had the clarity then that I do now, I would never have done it. If I had the clarity then that I do now, I wouldn't have done that. And so when we're asking forgiveness for something, we're actually coming from a very strong place of clarity. We're in a place of clarity and we are, we are and that place of clarity magnifies the past. So let me give you an example. When you come out of Yom Kippur, so you're clean. You know, you just went through the wash cycle. You're going into your year, and you're like, your mamish at tzaddik or at tzaddikus. And we're all so careful after Yom Kippur to, to like hold on to it as long as we can. And we want to get through sukkah still, you know, not having missed a bracha, not having made a mistake, and not having spoken lashon hara or something. And then uh, sometimes it's, it's brought down in sforim. Sometimes we hear on Hanukkah that we're reigniting that clarity because now we're in like the dark part of, of winter and, and now we're lighting those lights and that we're, we're reigniting the clarity of Yom Kippur. But when you leave Yom Kippur, Kippur, you're clear and you'd be careful with what you do. But what happens, the year goes on, the year goes on and the, way, the analogy I like to give it is like taking a road trip and as the year goes on, that's just bugs on the windshield. You ever been on a long road trip where you start off with a clean windshield? And as you're on your way to the country, more bugs hit it, more bugs hit it, more bugs hit it, more bugs hit it. And after a while, you just got a bunch of dead bugs on your windshield. And so you can't see as well. 
And that's the way our year goes, is that we just kind of lose clarity as the year goes. You don't have, no one has Yom Kippur clarity during the summer. We just don't have that kind of clarity. And when you lose clarity, well, your behavior reflects that. How you speak, things you think about, things you do, things you buy, things you look at. Everything goes down quite a few notches when you have that loss of clarity. There's an amazing question that's asked, and that question is, why does Rosh Hashanah show up before Yom Kippur? It doesn't make any sense. We learn all Pikabala that God flips over the world totally every Rosh Hashanah. It's a brand new year. In fact, my Rebbe says that, that you should eat something on Rosh Hashanah that you don't like every Rosh Hashanah. Like if you don't eat tomatoes, eat tomatoes. You don't like eggs, eat eggs. Why? Because he says that if you don't eat something that you didn't like last year, if you don't eat something you didn't like, so then you're, you're, you're denying that God just renewed the entire world because last year you didn't like tomatoes, but who says you don't like tomatoes this year? And to him, he says, it's not a big deal if you take a little bite of tomato and you spit it out. But to say, I don't eat tomatoes. I was once sitting in a, in a shul in Yerushalayim with some Alta Yidin, uh, but really Alta Yidin, like white-bearded, you know, like, like in their 80s. And they're schmoozing away during Kriya It was before the world got so firm. This is, we're going, this is like 20 years ago. And uh, people weren't so firm back then. And um, anyway, so they're schmoozing away during Kriya I can barely hear Kriya So During uh, Bengavra Lagavra, where I was happy to talk. I don't mind talking between Aliyahs. And during the Misha Bayerichs. And so I said to these Zakanim, I said to them, it, oh, did I mention this was Shabbos Shuva? We just had Rosh Hashanah. So I said to these Akanim, I said, how do you know you speak during Kriya They all looked at me like, like, how did we wind up with a Balchuva in our shul? So, so I said to them, how do, how do you know you speak during Kriya And one of them looks over to me and says, because we were just speaking during Kriya And I said to them, no, what I meant is, we just had Rosh Hashanah a few days ago. So now God created a whole new world. And you're still speaking during Christmas Torah. I understand last year you spoke during Christmas Torah, but who says you speak during Christmas Torah this year? And then one of the real authors, the oldest one, said, a good gazuch. He said, you said good. And they stopped speaking for at least one more aliyah. And the, today, that shul, like, you can't even speak now it's, you know, it's 20 years later. So you, you cannot speak there from La'olam till Aleinu L'Shabeach. Like, if you speak to anyone, you get, the, you get the eye from somebody or another, and you get a shh. So it's a, everything's gotten shushed down, and people actually are davening in a totally different way in the, in 20, years, in the 20 years after that story. Why is Rosh Hashanah, when the world's flipped over and brand new and you should be eating tomatoes, why is it that Yom Kippur is 10 days later? If you're in a brand new world, why would you go into a new world with soiled garments, with begodim tzayim? Why would you go in with soiled garments? You're carrying last year's sins into a brand new world? Why wouldn't a Kodesh Baruch Hu put Yom Kippur before Rosh Hashanah? Let us clean off and then let us begin our year. Why do we have to go into a brand new year with last year's Averas? And so the answer is, is that 
Well, we said it before. When you leave Yom Kippur, you're at the ultimate clarity. That means at the end of the year, when you've come back to the Yomim Noraim, you're in the ultimate lack of clarity now. You're as far from that clarity as you could possibly get. Okay, Elul's a big Hisayiris. So maybe you're not that far from clarity, but, but at least... At least in principle, you're the furthest from Yom Kippur. You're the furthest from Rosh Hashanah. You need the clarity of Rosh Hashanah on this day. Because when you get that clarity, you get to the Harata. Because what was Harata again? What's the, what is the regret from our behavior? It only comes from clarity. Remember the definition. If I had the clarity then that I do now, I would never have done that. That's the definition of Kharata. If I had the clarity then that I do now, I would never have done what I did. It takes a shocker, like two full days of Avinu Malkeinu, of making God king for two days straight. At the end of those two days straight, you cannot help but look at your masin. And in spirituality, there's always Ratzel Vashov. Ratzel meaning expansion, contraction, expansion, contraction. You'll notice you're always expanding, contracting. Like tonight, it's going to be a very social night. So a lot of you will get back to your rooms tonight, and you'll just be like, oh, gosh, I can't talk to another person. Because you're going to go into contraction. Because all, all the socializing is expansive. And you're going to need to go back to contraction. Same thing with moods. You have high moods, expanded times. Contra- low moods, more contracted. Everything going on with our cycles in our lives, always expansion, contraction. When we expand ourselves out to, to clarity, and we get those moments of like the heroes, like we, we get it, we understand, then you contract inward, and you can't help but say, wow, where was I? And this same principle works with apologizing. That when we've wronged somebody, when we've hurt somebody, or we weren't there for them the way we could have been, or, or we raised children in a way that, that now that we have the clarity, we shouldn't have. Meaning we shouldn't have raised them that way. When we get that clarity later, so then we take responsibility for that. And we actually express it. Taking full responsibility for the way we were looking at things, the way we saw it. And it's very important that we do so, especially if we made mistakes in Chinuch. For our children. If we made mistakes in the way we're mechanic our kids, so there's nothing wrong with saying to our, to our children, I mean, I'm not talking about the little kids who are in the middle of some mistake. I'm talking about bigger kids who mistakes were made when they were little. And to say to them, listen, when, when we were, you know, when... When mommy and Tati were young and dumb, you know, we did X, Y, and Z in, your, in raising you. And, and now we realize we made a mistake. It was wrong. It wasn't the way to go. And we apologize. And you see already that your younger siblings, we don't, you know, we're not making that mistake anymore. But we're taking responsibility for it, for you. So there's nothing wrong with doing that. Also with husband and wife, you have to be a little careful with, uh, with apologies. Husbands have to be extra careful of apologies with their wives because, because it can become uh, meaningless after a while. That w- when, uh, uh, 
Meaning, it, meaning it's, it's better not to say you're sorry about something you don't have a lot of clarity on. It's better to, it's better to get the clarity and, and rather than apologize over and over again. So you have, you have to be careful of, uh, of vain apologies that are just used to, to basically push off situations. You know, it's really important that we, that we you know, really treat it real. So I'd, I'd like to share with you the... The principle, just so you understand, the, the, there's a famous saying that "b'makom shabali tshuva oimdim tzadikim gemurim enam yocholim la'amoid." In the place where bali tshuva stand, tzadikim gemurim cannot stand. And what does that mean exactly? What, what is, and what are tzadikim gemurim? Tzadikim gemurim are people who never sinned. So how does that work? Works like this. So let's say we'll use the stender as like the baseline, and let's say here's uh, here's uh, these are two two uh, best friends, Shlemi and Yankee, and they're growing and they're going through school and the chinuch and everything. They're growing, 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 growing. They're together the whole time, never doing any vegas. It's something in Gamora, Yankee and Shlemi, growing together. But what happens is, you know, they're not in the same mindset. Everyone's got their own mind. And what happens is Yankee has a nefila, which starts, you know, started hashkafakli or whatever. He had a nefila. And he loses his clarity. And Yankee falls. And he does something wrong. Shloimi keeps going. Now, what happens is, while Shloimi keeps going like that, what happens is Yankee falls. And in that place where he fell he now feels a great distance between him and Hashem. And when he feels that distance between him, he, himself and Hashem, so it causes him to do cheshbon and nefesh. When he does that cheshbon and nefesh, he realizes who Hashem really is. He gets the clarity from that distance, from the pain of distance. He gets that clarity, and then what happens is, Yanki does teshuva. So here's Shloime, here's Yanki down here. And then what happens is Yankee does teshuva and he winds up here. And then the two of them keep growing. But now Yankee's in a totally higher place. So the words, that where bali tshuva stand, at tzadik gomer, meaning someone who never sinned can never stand, is because when we have a situation where someone says, where someone gets clarity at how far away they are, meaning they get to that contracted state and they realize how far away they are, when they get that clarity, they automatically will jump up to a place with a hisayus of teshuva that someone who always was good could never be. Now, Chazal know what people think. What do people think right now? What do people think to get to that place? They think, oh, okay, I'll sin and then I'll get to that place. What do Chazal say about that? The Chazal say that anyone who thinks they're going to sin in order to get to the place where Pali Chivayimdim, they'll never get there. And there's a reason why. I don't want to go deep into the reason why, but, the, 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 but without going into it, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. No one can sin in order to, in order to get there. That's not, if that's their kavana, they'll never get up from there. A weird example of this is uh, we, we, 
as being in Kirov for many years, I've worked a lot with uh, people who are intermarried, with uh, Jews and married Gentiles and stuff. And and when the Jews are dating Gentiles, so obviously the goal is that they should have some like crazy fight and break up, and it should be over. You know, that's the goal. Um, so once in a while that happens, and we'll get a phone call in Israel and saying they're in a huge fight, and they broke up, and we're all celebrating, and it's amazing. So yeah, we're, so we're like, Baruch Hashem, that's great. But what happens is it makes us even more worried for a little while, because we're happy that happened. But what we're worried about is that if they get back together, our chances are a lot less in succeeding. Because the coming back together of people, I'm just using it as an analogy, we're not going to talk about these intermarried people, but people who come back together, they come back much, much stronger when people get back together. And it, it's required. Uh, imagine like uh, just in a frum couple, like a regular frum couple, let's say, uh, uh, let's say there's a man who's just, uh, <laughs> he's, he forgets to tell his wife that he's going to Vegas for a trade show for three days. Can you imagine? So he calls, he realizes once he's in Vegas, he's getting out of the airport and he realizes that he forgot to tell his wife that he's going to Vegas for three days. Now he um, calls her up, he says, honey, I'm so sorry, I forgot. I have to be in Vegas for three days. She's like, really, when? And he's like, well, I'm already here. I'll be here for three days. And she's, you know, whatever, she hangs up the phone. When he gets back to New York from Vegas, where is he going to find his pillow and blanket? Where is his pillow and blanket? It's on the couch. It's on the couch. Now, if he says he's sorry, where is his pillow and blanket? On the couch. It's going to be on the couch. And... What's going to happen is he's going to be sleeping on the couch until he gets the clarity of who this woman is to him. Until he gets the clarity. And he's going to have to articulate it. He's going to have to express to her who she is to him. Now, there's no way that he has any idea who she is to him. How do we know that? Because he went to Vegas for three days and didn't even tell her. So there's no way he has that clarity. And going to Vegas for three days without telling her doesn't give clarity. He just returns to sleep on the couch. But eventually, he's going to realize who that woman is to him. And eventually, he's going to say the words that shows her that he gets it. And then when he shows her that he gets it, his pillow and his blanket get to go back to the master bedroom. But where they will stand as a couple today, they could never have stood without the Vegas trip. It was only with the Vegas trip that they could ever have gotten to this place. But it required a chuva of clarity. It required a, a, a real sense of clarity of, of the, the lack of connection in order to get that connection. Questions? Anyone got a question? Random questions? Okay. Um, time check? 
Anyone know what's our schedule? Where are we holding the schedule? First of all, what time is it? 5.37. And, and we have till 5.45? Okay, very good. Um, anyone got a question on this subject? No questions? What's that? Very clear. Okay, very good. So what we're going to do is uh, we're going to do a mini subject now. And, uh, and I'm going to leave it up to you. So you guys bring up a mini subject. We're going to do 10 minutes on a mini subject. It can be anything, literally anything. So give me a mini subject. Yeah. By the way, we may have more than one mini subject. I'm going to choose one of them. Yeah. Between what? Regret. Regret. And extra and come about shooter. Because you can be able to shooter every 20 minutes to live. I mean, it can kind of happen. So where is that fine line where it's clarity and where is the fine line that. That it's what? That it's extra motion. That it's what? The question is, if it doesn't. That's a, that's an excellent question. I like that question. Um, anyone else have a question? <laughs> Any other questions? Um, so I'll deal with that one. That one first is um, if someone finds themselves in a situation where they're 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 doing like constant chuva and then resinning in chuva and sinning in chuva, sinning in chuva. The uh, it's better that they actually keep doing chuva because someone. What happens? You meet people who say like I can't I just. I see I'm not holding on to it, so like, why would I bother keep doing tshuva? Because I don't keep it. So it's better, to, it's better to keep doing tshuva. Because every time someone does tshuva, if he really does tshuva, he's clean now. Now, he may not be clean a week later, but he's clean now. Clean now. So it's just better to do it. So I don't know what your question is, what's the fine line, but I do know that it's much better to do tshuva than, and be clean for a day, a week, a, a month than not to do it at all. And what will happen is eventually you get traction. Eventually you'll start to see that's got its own pattern and you do tshuva for the pattern. You understand? You can eventually do tshuva for the whole pattern. That's a natural pattern. Yeah. It also it helps a lot in doing tshuva for something like that is to, is to get in touch with why, what's driving you. You know, go deeper and figure out what, what are you trying to get, what are you fulfilling with this? Like something's getting fulfilled. Through here and like get in touch with the missing piece. Okay, uh, subject. Come on, give me a real subject. The what? Oh, why? Why? Yeah, why it doesn't work. You really want to know why it doesn't work? Oh, gosh. I haven't pieced this together for a while now. Oh, yeah, I remember. No, it's very, it was simple. Actually, I thought it was more complicated. Um, the, remember, the only reason anyone does anything wrong is because of a lack of clarity. clarity. Someone who realizes he wants to get so close to Hashem that he's going to sin in order to 
go higher. What does he have? Yeah. No, he has total clarity, but he's a mashuganet. Yeah? Because anybody who has that kind of clarity of a Kodesh Baruch Hu, all he's going to do is go closer to a Kodesh Baruch Hu. He's not going to go away. Because he's in a state of clarity. So if, he, if he's tr- in that state of clarity, he's going to sin in order to get, go closer to Hashem. So he's no longer part of any of this subject. He's just a mashuganet. He's just a knucklehead. Yeah, he's just a crazy guy. So there's no reward for for a, a, a Meshuggah doing tshuva. But if it's serious, it can happen. It could happen, but it's still, it's, he's not going to get that higher, he's not going to go to the higher place. He's not going to the higher place why for that. Because he's a Meshuggah. Well, That's nice. He should, go, he should keep his tefillah on during a laner. I don't know. He should do some extra. He should go to Carlin and scream for a couple shachas. That's a good kapara. Three and a half hour shachas. Yeah. Okay, we got we got five more minutes. Come on, someone give, give a real topic, ladies. What's going on over here? When I said a new topic, I meant a new topic, really a new topic. Someone have a new topic? Hello, ladies. You should all realize that if we sat here for like a half hour straight, every one of you would have probably 10 major Ashkafa questions. 10 major Ashkafa questions. So we're not going to sit here for a half hour, but there are about 50 people in here right now, or 60 people. Let's hear one. One major Ashkafa question. We'll deal with it for five minutes. Nothing to do with, it doesn't have to do with tissue and apologies. And you realize that those of you whose minds are totally blank right now, you'll learn so much more of the Shabbos by being in tune with your questions. Like, you understand that, that if you don't have a question, nobody's got the answer. Because you don't have a question. So you gotta, you gotta like have your questions. Should I think of questions I have? And I'm supposed to be Matar, it's my own question. So, um, one question I have is is if if the Jewish people are who we if the Jewish people are who we say we are. then uh, why is it, meaning if we're really this tribal community from Sinai and like we're the ones who experienced the Nebuah and we're, you know, we're really this Amsegula and this chosen people and this, uh, you know, Hashem's beloved and, and, we're, and we're also automatically the most spiritual people in the world. So why is it, not so recognizable. Meaning, meaning the people who know you, do they think you're the most spiritual person they've ever met? Like, do any of you work with Goyim here? Any of you work with Goyim? Do those Goyim think you're the most spiritual person they've ever met? 
And do your kids think you're the most spiritual person they've ever met? And do the do neighbors think you're the most spiritual person they've ever met? You're, you realize you are the most spiritual person. You're, you are the most spiritual person ever, 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 ever. But you're not living that way. You get that? So, like, what was... So, maybe the big question is, what, what was Hashem's intention? Why would Hashem, what What's going on here? Like, God... Did God, like... Did God create a rock he couldn't lift here? Like, did God create something that he can't do? 2,448 years of history led to Harsinai. And at that point, God chooses Claudius for all of history. I mean, that's the plan. Meaning there was plan A was Adam Harishon till Harsina. Plan B was from Harsina till today. Till Yemosa Mashiach. We're, we are his plan. Like, we're the contingency plan for the creation. And by the way, this is nothing. I'm not here to put anyone down. I mean, we should, be, we should look ourselves in the mirror and say, like, Wow. We're keeping Torah in 2019 against all odds and raising Yiddish kinder and, and like, you know, like we schmick of, of Yiddishkeit. We should be very, very proud of ourselves. There's a lot of chizuk. But where's the ruchnis? Like, where's the spirituality? You know, you ever go, like in Manhattan, you see these stores with like stones and music playing and incense. And, you know, it's like, it's a pretty spiritual place music, like meditation music and, and uh, incense and like, you know, all these gorgeous crystals and stuff. You've seen these stores? You walk by these places? And when we walk by them, we're like, ugh. It's like, we want to like cross the streets like pagans, you know, idolatry. Like, what's wrong with these people? And you know, just... Uh, I don't know, maybe 15, 20 hours ago, my, my grandson had his bris. Rav Chaim Kanievsky was a sandik. And, uh, and he's a coin. You know, I was once, uh, I was once in, my, in my, I have a little meditation room in my house. And, and I've got, you know, I've got Livona. Livona is like one of the main spices of the, of the Kateris. So I have a little Lavoina burner. I've got Lavoina wafting in the air. It's an amazing smell. You ever smelled Lavoina? It's called, in English, it's called frankincense. It's, it's pretty Ruchnizdik stuff. And that's only one of the 11 spices. But i uh, got Lavoina burning. And i got candles burning. And I mean, yeah, I think all Yidin are into candles pretty much. But got candles burning. And, and, um, Meditation music, like uh, nondescript kind of music, just kind of background, kind of puts you in a state of mind a little bit. And, uh, and then, uh, and obviously I've got Shavisis and stuff, and different Shemos Hashem, and you know, I focus on these things when I'm meditating. And, and um, oh, and also, you know, there's a, people over the years have given me some gorgeous stones, amethyst, and, uh, quartz crystal, and the various stones. In, in the, anyway, so there I am meditating. My eyes are closed. I'm there for I don't know how long. And I finally open my eyes, and I see two of my anaklach are sitting across from me, just like kind of soaking it all in. 
And, and then my B'nai Bracher son-in-law walks in angry. And he, he's like coming in to scoop up the kids. And he's like, what is this? You know, like, you know, my son-in-law is like, this is Goyish guy, like, what, what's going on in this? Pagan rituals or something. And so I say to my, my son-in-law, the Kohen, I said, listen, your great-great-great-great-great-great-grandfathers, they served in Beis Mikdash. We were so serious about incense that we make those stores you see in Manhattan. It looks like a, looks like a ice cream shop. We had 11 spices in our incense, and we were so serious about incense that we have laws that if someone made that combination of spices, not for the Beis Amigdash, it's the death penalty. Or he made it for Beis Amigdash, but he burned it outside Beis Amigdash, death penalty. Like, there's nobody, I say to my son-in-law, there's nobody more serious about incense than Claudia Israel. We take incense very seriously. Right? We make Indians look like, uh, like uh, uh, people shopping in the local mall compared to, to the way we treat innocents. And, and then I said, music? We had thousands of Levium playing music that, was, that would completely shift your intellectual, emotional, and spiritual state when they would play. They could take someone bringing a carbon for the wrong reasons meaning just a payment for his sin, and get him to start sobbing convulsively. Like just go into full-on shaking, sobbing convulsions with his music. And when it comes to precious stones, the high priest, your your Altezede, wore 12 precious stones and these stones were so spiritual that you could ask them questions and they would answer you. Like, like when the Jewish people should go to war or not and you could actually speak to them. Like the stones, like they answered important national questions. And he just went, ah. And he walked out. But he left my grandkids in the room, which is good. Because those kids, Bezos Hashem, will be serving in Beis Mingtish. So they got to use, get used to the smell of Lavoina, and they have to get used to the experience. By the way, this is just something I do on, on my own, meaning it's just my own meditation. It's not like I'm not going to Shachar's. You know, this is like before Shachar's, after Shachar's, before Mincha, after Mincha. Like these are, you know, I'm sure you're all doing this as well, before and after Shachar's. You know, like, yeah. Sure, of course we do. So, and by the way, this isn't the definition of spirituality. I'm just saying that we have to be the most spiritual people ever. So how do we do it? How are we supposed to do it? And so um, the answer is, and I actually have a class online that's um, uh, the 10 steps to being a spiritual warrior. Uh, but but we got to do these steps. And one of those steps is you have to find the most spiritual man that you've ever met in your life and you must connect yourself to that person. And ladies, 
you have to find the most spiritual woman you've ever met in your life. Like, you never want to be like, I'm not saying you want to be like that, but you got to find, either in your community or another from community, you have to find a woman who's the most spiritual lady you have ever met, and then you must connect to her and let her show you that path. And gentlemen, you got to do the same thing. And it doesn't have to be necessarily even your Rebbe, meaning your Rebbe of your Hasidus. Like, for example, I have a very spiritual Rebbe. The Pinskarlina Rebbe is a very spiritual Rebbe. But I, I have, there's someone I found, a secret Kabbalistic, you know, he's also Poisek. He's like, but he's like real secretive. He's a, he's a hidden Sadik. I found one like this. I found him over 20 years ago. And uh, 25 years ago. And uh, I've connected there ever since. And I owe so much of who I've become as a spiritual person of the tribe of Israel. I've owed so much of it to my connection to him. That's only one of the ten ways that I share in that shir. Tonight we'll be doing Kabbalah Shabbos. Um, I think the ladies might have a shir or something else going on there. But at least the gentlemen, when you go to shul tonight, close your eyes and, and especially in Kabbalah Shabbos and, and Vishamu and, uh, and the Kadeshim and go there just go, go make this the most spiritual Shabbos of your life and there's going to be amazing choir and amazing chazanas and, and uh, ladies I'm sure you'll be part of some of the amazing chazanas there and what will be going on really let yourselves go there like really make this you become the most spiritual Jew anyone ever met. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.